Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. Today, we'll be catching up with Head of Retail Research, Stephen Springham, to get his take on how last week went for retailers as they began to open up shops again across England. We'll also be talking to Faisal Durrani, Head of London Commercial Research, about how the service office sector is evolving to meet new demand for flexible space. So Stephen, clearly it was a busy week last week. What have your key takeaways been? I think probably the best way of looking at it is it's a very small step on an unfeasibly long road. Mixed emotions, really, because obviously on the positive side, you know, we want to see retail reopen, be up and running again. But at the same time, it's not a case of just flicking a switch and everything going back to where it was. So it's going to be a very long time before we can see anything that remotely resembles normality. Obviously, non-essential retail was free to open from last Monday. Not all shops are open yet by any means. Very hard to sort of gauge exactly. I think the landlords we spoke to were optimistic that about 70% would open. We would temper those expectations a little bit. We thought closer to 50%. And, you know, anecdotally, we would think probably somewhere around 40 to 50% opened in the first days. And, you know, obviously that figure is slowly creeping up. But, you know, we're not at 100% open rate by any means yet. And what's your sense of how retailers will begin to reopen the rest of their stores? Are you hearing anything on the ground about the next wave of openings? I mean, it does vary from retailer to retailer, I have to say, but most are taking a fairly staggered approach to reopening. The exceptions to that are people like Primark, obviously, Sports Direct, Mountain Warehouse, The Works. You know, these are the ones that have taken the ball by the horns and opened their full estates in one go. I mean, with someone like Primark, Sports Direct, you can see why to a certain degree, because Obviously, they don't have any online business. They have larger than average stores. So it makes sense for them to get up and running as quickly as possible. And obviously, as the stores are larger, it's slightly easier to actually implement social distancing compromises into stores. The rest of the market, it does vary. Some are very, very softly, softly. So, I mean, for example, on last Monday, John Lewis only opened two stores. I think about 11 followed later on in the week. But obviously, that's only less than a quarter of their overall portfolio. So I think they'll be opening them in phases in the weeks to come. A retailer like Next has opened about 125 stores so far, I believe, which, again, is a fraction, probably around a third or a quarter of their estate. So I think it's it's very much a open, suck it and see, and then slowly roll out to other sites that they think can viably operate under social distancing circumstances. And If I'm honest, that won't be each and every site. Some will stay closed for some time to come. Given its early days, I mean, how do you think retailers will feel about how the first week has gone so far? Early days is exactly the right expression. None we've spoken to have been particularly triumphant. I mean, yes, they're pleased to reopen, but most realise that, you know, really the hard work starts here. The media images of shoppers queuing outside stores is one thing, but I don't think it really reflects reality. You could move to the next door that had no people queuing outside of it, for example. And also, you know, that was Monday. What happened Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? So I think there was an initial flurry, but I wouldn't read into that any great sense of recovery. And, you know, we've not had any trading numbers from retailers. Obviously, it's too early to say, but, you know, trade volumes are definitely 100% going to be significantly down. I mean, the figures most retailers were sort of tentatively targeting was around 30% of trade in the initial few days, few weeks of reopening, with an aim to increasing that to within 50% within a few weeks. So, 
it's very, very much a long haul. Very few are, are out there celebrating record sales or anything like that. The hard work for them really starts here. Are you hearing much around investors sort of sniffing around, looking at repositioning retail assets at the moment? I wouldn't say there's been a sort of groundswell towards it. I mean, obviously, this is one of the longer term trends. The mechanics are there for all to see. You know, retail is an oversupplied market. There are other sectors that are undersupplied. So obviously, there is a business case to actually repurpose retail for other uses. Again, it's hard to quantify. But again, what we're seeing is you know, where retail is at its most distressed, where vacancy rates are highest, aren't necessarily the places where there is that underwrite for an alternative use. So there's a lot of moving parts, really. And obviously, you know, retail is a highly pressurised market at the moment. A lot of the pain is still to come, which is a sad but honest thing to say. So, you know, there will be further fallout from this. So, yeah, I think people are, are looking at retail as a repurposing play. But I wouldn't say that we've reached a point yet where the dynamics necessarily stack up in every single location. I mean, there are isolated deals, two off the top of my head. The Debenhams department store in Guildford is one such example. I mean, that's currently under offer above asking price. I believe there was a whole host of bidders. That's not for retail use. That's for redevelopment sites. So, you know, any yield you'd attach to that is very much as a non-retail play. The other one is a shopping centre in Edgware, which we've been involved in the sale of. And again, it's under offer, hasn't completed yet. But again, the interest there is less on the retail side of things, more as a repurposing play. What about retailers looking at converting existing space into co-working? We'll be obviously catching up with Fines a little bit around the service office sector and how that sector is doing. But there was an interesting report in EG last week just around Westfield looking at ditching the department store concept and bringing in desks. What do you think of that? Interesting choice of words, Westfield ditching department stores. I think it's actually the the department stores that are ditching Westfield. I mean, obviously, Debenhams in Westfield isn't going to reopen. House of Fraser, obviously, there's a long-running saga there. Obviously, went into did a CVA and subsequently got taken over by Mike Ashley and has subsequently been under negotiation with landlords across the country ever since. So I would interpret that as they failed to reach agreement. I'd say it's a bit more reactionary on the part of Westfield not being able to secure terms with its department store anchors than necessarily a strategic move. I think it's born of a failure to strike a deal with the retailer's concern. But yeah, you look at something like Westfield. I mean, knowing the two stores, the House of Fraser is a very prominent site. It's one of the first things you see when you come from the tube station. You could argue that that would offer itself more to mixed use, although that is a prime retail site. The value of it as co-working space is going to be a lot lower than it would have been as retail space. Debenhams, a different kettle of fish at the other end of the scheme. You know, that's, you could argue, more integrated into the shopping centre itself. So a bit more problematic to carve that out into to alternative use. But it is the reality that they're going to have two large-scale voids that they've got to find something to do with. Looking a bit further ahead, you've mentioned previously that you reckon that 2021 would be the sort of earliest time that we might see a recovery in the retail sector. I mean, do you still stand by that date or do you think it's getting later and later at this point? I would still stand by it, but I would say it will be later rather than sooner than that. I mean, the, the retailer mindset at the moment is reopen get up and running as best you can and take it from there, really. I mean, you know, a lot of retailers are battling for survival. It really is as desperate as that. I think I was about to say they'll pause for breath at Christmas. They'll do anything but pause for breath at Christmas. But I think that's the first time they'll take a meaningful temperature check on the state of the market. And we said originally, you know, this sort of time next year is when we might be able to start talking about a recovery, but realistically, probably the latter end of the year, so Christmas 2021, 
Again, it depends who you speak to, but a lot of the dialogue we're seeing now is increasingly by 2022, we'll see a return to 2019 levels. So as I say, it's possible we may be able to start thinking about recovery this time next year. But realistically, if anything, it's going to be longer than that rather than shorter. Looking at Occupy Fallout, what kind of arrangements are retailers looking at? Is it still the year of the CVA? Absolutely. It's the year of the CVA. It's the year of pre-prac administrations. I mean, you know, they are a variation on the same theme. I suppose the latter is slightly less bad than the CVA, but it doesn't obviously stabilise the market and bring much comfort or certainty. So yes, we haven't seen a wave of them yet, although we're starting to sort of see an increasing trickle now. And I think that's inevitable because obviously while we're in lockdown, a lot of retailers had zero cash flow, but at the same time, they had a lot of cost holidays they were able to fall back on, be that furloughing staff, rent holidays, business rate holidays. These cost holiday or wide cost holidays, if you like, are starting to lapse. So that is really when the pain will set in. So without wishing to be the voice of doom, I think the next few months are likely to see higher occupier fallout than we've seen to date. And as we've said before, you know, it's not a straightforward process. I mean, very few retailers ultimately just fail and, and disappear. Most will go through processes or around the processes. So Yes, unfortunately, we are going to see further CVAs come to light in the coming weeks and months and prepack administrations as well. So, yeah, last week we already saw a couple more in the shape of Pound Stretcher and All Saints. Again, not many common denominators there in terms of the sector they operate in or their position in the market, but probably a common denominator in the fact that these were businesses that weren't capitalised brilliantly, were not necessarily trading particularly well. So, you know, it's difficult to draw trends on the fallout. It's more a case of understanding the individual operations and their financial and operating situation. Hi Faisal, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Hi Anna, thanks. What about the impact on the serviced office sector? There's been quite a lot of noise in the press about this. Well, the serviced office sectors understandably has been hit quite hard by what has been going on, particularly those centres that are reliant on daily traffic and footfall. With the government's coronavirus bill, we've seen a lot of providers opting to go down the route of rent deferments or delayed rental payments, which is what the coronavirus bill allows for at least until the 30th of June. It's a moratorium on forfeiture, essentially. And actually, that problem is something that they've passed up the food chain, if you like, because the underlying businesses in some centres have been cancelling their direct debits. A lot of people have been retreating back into their homes, particularly small businesses or startup businesses. But those centers that are reliant on enterprise businesses, i.e. companies that have more than 500 staff, have fared slightly better. And what's interesting is whilst this has all been playing out, we've obviously had construction sites closed. Many of them have now reopened, but we have seen businesses looking at the serviced office sector to help provide a stopgap solution in the event that there are delays in construction or fit out and it impacts the dates that they've planned for taking possession of space. And also, I guess that the other point worth mentioning is what we've seen in Asia so coming back to this point of employment densities, we've seen you know businesses in Asia that are now returning to some form of new normal, continuing to operate with two meter social distancing requirement. And in order to manage their staff densities, some businesses have actually turned to the serviced office sector. 
We've got a couple of examples. The desk in Hong Kong saw a 25% quarter-on-quarter rise in the number of businesses taking space in their centers. Also, the executive center, which is a slightly more high-end offering, saw a 10% year-on-year rise in businesses taking space across their 135 centers in Asia. What would that look like in the UK, though, if you were to apply that kind of logic? I mean, would that result in satellite workplaces around suburban towns and sort of greater London? Well, that is sort of our expectation. So if we were to translate that back into our market, we do expect to see perhaps a temporary or even permanent rise in demand for office space in key commuter towns and villages around London. We've not yet seen any businesses opting for a hub and spoke model, but there are examples of businesses that are now exploring it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, what COVID-19 has done is helped to reinforce the need and place for a formal work environment. You know, whilst we've all enjoyed the novelty of working from home for the last 14 weeks, many of us have been doing it in unergonomic conditions. And as human beings, we all crave joint experiences and face-to-face interactions. So there is always going to be a need for a formal workplace or touchdown points for teams. And I guess the other issue hand in hand with that is the fact that historically people usually choose a suburban location based on how easy it is to get into London. But with more people working from home and quite likely that there will be a permanent shift in working patterns, People may opt to choose to live somewhere based on the quality of life it offers or the amenities it provides and will be willing to put up with an extra five minute drive or a bus ride to the station. But once you get into London, it's quite likely that you will want to minimize that secondary commute as much as possible. So we do expect to see a rise in demand for office space in and around mainline train stations and somewhere like Canary Wharf, for example, once Crossrail does arrive on scene will for the first time have a mainline train station, which could well be a game changer for that market. Do you think that the impact on more flexible offices will be quite significant in the sense that we might see a move maybe away from co-working to perhaps a more kind of bespoke curated service for each company? I think the service office concept is is one that's here to stay. Whilst it, it has largely helped to cater for startup businesses that are looking for plug-and-play space, we've also had numerous examples of larger corporates that turn to the flexible office market to help provide short-term space requirements, simply because the ease of having all the fit-out taken care of for you and, and having you know, off-the-shelf ready-to-go space is something that has proven to be quite attractive. And so as a concept, we do not see that ending anytime soon. If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information.